part two of our interview with former plural wife of the Kingston Polygamy Group, Julie Ann Fraley, next on Polygamy. What love is this? Thank you for watching our interview with a former plural wife from the Keyson Polygamy Group, Julie Ann Fraley. Uh, we have um, been talking in our first part about her growing up in polygamy in the Kingston Group. And this time we're going to talk about her adult life, more about her adult life as a plural wife. Um, but let's, um, let's go on talking um, about your family. Thank you for coming. And again, I want to thank you for sharing. I know some of these things are hard to deal with. But like you said, that they, people need to know what's, what really does go on. And they cannot understand the devastation of some of it, but at least now they know. Now, let's talk about your mother. Uh, your mother passed away. Mm -hmm. Would you explain how that happened? Um, she got cancer, and when she went to the doctors in January, they told her she had eight to nine treatments, and she had 100% chance of making it. And by March, I found out that she was... <clears throat> doing a treatment that I guess my father came up with because he knew how to treat cancer from researching on Google. Oh, so she didn't do the doctor hospital treatment. She did <clears throat> your dad's treatment. Right. Okay. And so in March, I had a conversation with her. And throughout my life, she would say, if you ever got cancer, if anything ever came up, don't you dare do their treatments. You won't make it. You go and you go to the hospital and get chemo. And so when she was faced with it, she was doing their treatments and I called her up and I told her, you know that means you're not gonna make it. And she said, yeah, and you're gonna have to deal with that. Oh my, so she knew mm -hmm. that it was a bogus treatment. Yeah. What was the treatment? Um, she ended up passing in November. So they were doing like, at the end they were doing 40 enemas a day. 40 enemas a day. And her diet consists of comfrey and carrot juice. So there wasn't any food or nutrients being given to her. And she would beg people for piece of toast or some ice cream and she was not allowed to have any of that. So she basically starved to death. The cancer yes. and the starvation killed her. It was the starvation that killed her. That's not very humane, humane is it? No. That they would treat people like that. I know when I was still in the group they would treat cancer with grape diets. Mm -hmm. They'd go on a 40-day grape diet and they'd eat nothing but grapes and that was supposed to cure the cancer. Yeah. But these people still continued to die of cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about abuse, physical, sexual, or emotional abuse in the families of the group. Is there much of that that go on? Do you want to talk about that? Is that something you would um, rather pass over? I don't know a whole lot about that. I know um, many years after I left, I, w and I was watching a show and I had a repressed memory. And at that moment I realized if I 
that I didn't hear myself scream and my voice didn't matter at that Mm -hmm. point. I don't remember a whole lot more, but I feel like I pretty much just tried to look at the good and be happy so I didn't see a lot of that. Do you think that um, repressed memories or or some of these uh, looking at only the good comes from their teachings, um, their brainwashing? You know, these these are men of God. They can't do these things. They they they're not. There was not responsibility. Cannot be theirs. Yeah, um, yeah. I even to this day find myself saying, "Learn to." Do what you ought to do. Yeah. <laughs> Learn to like to do what you ought to do. Yeah. So yeah. I, I still have their memory gems very. Yeah. Be happy or we starve you to death. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know much about the current lawsuit that's going on with the Kingston group now? Um, I don't know anything. I I know the girls and the people involved, but I haven't talked to anyone about it. Uh huh. And there's a lot of abuse that's going to come out. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it makes a splash in the news. People need right. to know what's going on inside these groups, that they just turn their head and don't um, don't want to do anything about it. And that would be our, our uh, civic leaders. We want to let our viewers know, too, that we do this. We're doing these interviews because we want to give courage to those who may be thinking of leaving or afraid to leave. We can help you leave, uh, but we can. But your story will help others maybe get the courage to say, I've had enough of this. It's not right. And it isn't right because the kingdom of God does not operate the way the Kingston group operates. And um, the Ephesians 5.11 says that we are to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And that's what we're doing. We're being obedient to God. Um, Let's talk about your marriage, your plural marriage. Uh, So you were eligible at what age to get married? Um, I was eligible at 14, but I fought it. I waited till I was an old maid is what my mom would call me. Oh, and how old were you at an old maid? 16. (laughs) 16. Yeah, I had a whole year of being called an old maid. My word. In fun, I presume, or Mm, seriousness. Oh, serious. Very much. So who chose your husband? Uh, Did you have any say in it? And how many wives did he have? I did not have a say. I personally thought I had another pick and what I thought direction was a whole nother person and when I went to my father about it he let me know that that was not within the line of marrying Mm -hmm. above and that I needed to watch who I danced with at the dances and it'd be shown who I'm supposed to be with and when I went to the dances I noticed it was the leader's firstborn son constantly asking even over three dances unlike yeah wow he singled you out didn't he he sure did (laughs) so that was how you knew who you were who they they said you were supposed to marry right he danced with you over three times how many wives did he have at the time that I agreed not necessarily yes but I agreed um he had seven he had seven wives. Or I was the seventh. You were the seventh. He had six wives, and so you were the seventh wife. Uh, did you like him, or did you not like him? Did you 
I mean, what were your feeling towards him? At first, I very much disliked him. It was not something I wanted. It wasn't something I ever had thought of. I eventually realized that the only friends I had was his, was his wife's, and I wasn't allowed to have any other friends. So I figured, well, his wife's are nice to me, so I guess that might work. Mm -hmm. But as for him, I just did what I was supposed to. How much older? He was he? only 19. Oh, wow. And he had six wives already? Mm -hmm. <gasps> He's the My leader's firstborn. Lord. Wow. So is he, is he related to you? Yeah. His dad is my dad's brother. So. And we talked about that in part one, but he right. was a, a cousin. Yeah, he's a first you. cousin. Um, which is interesting because your parents were related. So you're marrying a relative. And this is in generational incest, you know, which is not only not allowed in biblical, biblical terms, but it's not allowed civic. The civic laws yeah. also forbid that kind of incest. But do they know the dangers of the incest that they're perpetrating and what are they doing to try and make it so that those dangers don't exist? So in the process of being married and watching people have children, we've seen people with kidney problems. They have some albino children. They have cleft feet, a lot of nervous disorders. And when I started having children, they started DNA testing them to genetically match up the kids so that they wouldn't have as many issues anymore. And I was, I was at that point, I was really cool that my children would not have to take that risk. Hmm. Okay. So now they do that with all marriages, all intermarriage, incestual marriages. They do DNA tests. Yes. To make sure that... From what I know, that's what they're doing. Is it like, working, do you know? I would hope so, but also when testing, there's not all a lot of no. Yeah. You can't know. You don't know. You, you don't, don't know. Each, each, is, each person's an individual. That's right. So um, your statement that I quoted at the beginning of part one said that you were sold as a slave, not as a wife, but as a slave, and that your husband paid a lot for you. Explain what that's all about. Uh, he ended up working at the farm and my dad sat me down and was like, yeah, we wanted seven summers from him, but because of his status and everything else we're going to be getting, then we, we allowed one summer. And so he was very proud that he was able to offer up to the leaders first. So born. this is free labor to get you as a wife. Free labor on their farm yeah. to get you as and a wife. And he he also informed me that I was the most expensive, and he had to work the hardest for me. It was the hardest for him to work far away from home. Was he putting that a burden on you, a guilt trip on you for that, or, yes. or you know, you've got to be more respectful to me because yeah. look what I paid for you. Yeah, he was saying you are the hardest wife, but I paid the most for you. Why can't you straighten up? <laughs> and I just thought because I was special. <laughs> I'm special, right? So, is that happen frequently in the Kingston group? Are they paying? Uh, now, this is called trafficking, by the way, in yes. more ways than one. But there's some sort of exchange, whether for um, goods and services or uh, leadership, like to be get a notch in your belt to be higher up, or even a number, because mm -hmm. you can exchange for numbers. <laughs> And priesthoods and 
So you're just a commodity. A woman is just a commodity right. in the polygamy group and a stepping stone for the man to, to get higher and higher in God's kingdom. Right. Um, what was your plural marriage experience like? Describe what it was like. Now, I know you hadn't been married before to compare anything with anything, right? right? So we have to understand that as we hear these stories. Mm -hmm. uh, but what was, what was it like? For me, I didn't have a whole lot of interest. So for him coming home once or twice a month was delightful and was pleasant. I ran my household all by myself and I made my rolls all by myself. And he showed up for dinner time once or twice a month. To make babies? To make babies, because you tell them the time of the month. And and in in your opening statement uh, that I read at the beginning, you said that you had to learn how to make baby girls. Mm -hmm. Explain how that, I mean, we all know that's not the way it works, but how did they tell you it worked? Uh, they said if you try it earlier in your cycle, then you should be able to have a girl. So I gauged it by my the number of days in my cycle, and we made sure we tried for a girl only. So he has to manipulate his time between all these wives um, to make sure that he gets there at the right time so they can have girls. Does it work? I mean, do they think it works? Do the women I, have more girls than boys? I felt like it worked pretty good for me. <laughs> I, mean, I had six kids before I left, and I did start out having a lot of girls. I had two girls and then a boy and then another girl and then I felt like I would be able to be okay to have a few boys because yeah. I wanted that part of my life. Yeah, interesting. be interesting to take a, um, some kind of a test to see how many, because the ratio of births on the planet is almost 50% boy and girl and, and I'm sure it'd be the same in polygamy groups no matter what voodoo they're trying to do to make <laughs> themselves have girls besides it's the man who determined the sex of the child it's not the woman yeah um so anyway so your plural marriage experience he didn't abuse you uh, neglect maybe but not abuse um at the end he did but i did tell like that was one thing watching my father i told him when i first got married i said if we right before we got married i said if you ever hit me i'm gone that day and the day he attacked me I was gone that day good for you good for you so he did hit you then he got there was a day he uh, jumped on me and dragged me through the house and really attacked me and I was done you were gone good for you more people would do that there'd be less of that abuse did he abuse your children yes but it was within the regular parameters of the church so I didn't have, you know, when it's much, normal, it's normal. Didn't have much comeback for that. So he visited just, say, twice a month? That was a good month for him. <laughs> Did you have a fresh toothbrush for him all the time, fresh clothes? I was rebellious. <laughs> and I wasn't very good at the toothbrush. <laughs> but, I mean, I tried. At least they let you have toothbrushes. They didn't let us have toothbrushes when I was growing up in the group. When you left and established your life outside of the group, you had to readjust. I mean, like you said, like we said earlier, it's like a whole new culture. 
It mm -hmm. is. It's like landing on planet Mars or something. Mm -hmm. uh, everything is different. You get out into the outside world, and and uh, so much of it is 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 so much different. Uh, and then you got married outside of the group into a monogamous marriage. And, and when we met for lunch, you said, I didn't know how to be married. I didn't know how to be a monogamous wife. Explain the dynamics of that problem and how did it ultimately work out for you? I've noticed in my marriage, I care if he comes home. <laughs> and that was quite That's awesome. <laughs> weird to me. And... I had never lived with a man in my life. I didn't know what that meant. You mean day in and day out. Huh? Yeah, I yeah. never had anyone live with me, really, because I just did my own thing. So giving some responsibility or do, I just took care of everything and didn't notice him in the corner <laughs> very much because it was, it was so new. Uh-huh. And it was just, it was way different. He tried to come in and clean, and I would, I would have a full-on panic attack, like, he Whoa. can't touch dirty dishes. What are we doing? So did, I it, did it cause a problem in, in your personal relationship with it? Did he understand where you were coming from? It was from? super confusing for the first seven years. Yeah. And then, then I started learning. <laughs> and now it's super confusing on the other end because now I'm healing and I'm realizing, wait, can I have more mm. of this and this? And he's like, well, it's it's been a long time and now you want me to clean you. He, he's scared because yeah. I would have panic attacks. I would cry if he tried to clean. Oh my. And so it's different for me to ask. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it's a lot of adjustments. There are a lot of adjustments and some of them take a lifetime yeah. to, to make that difference. But um, how old were your kids? Did he was he a good father to to the kids, or were they grown? Were they pretty much grown? Uh, when he, I got remarried, I left when my oldest was eight, and then I started getting remarried. So there was an odd process when I was leaving, and I tried joint custody with. Oh, with yeah, with the order. Uh huh. And, and that, that was, didn't. That was really bad. That was really horrible for my children. So my oldest was eight when I left, but when she actually left, I was thir She was thirteen, and at that point, I was already with a new person, mm -hmm. and so it was quite an adjustment for your around. kids too. Yeah, you. like it. It yeah. was a lot, and he came in completely accepting them. Didn't understand the dynamic in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. He had traveled the world, so he understood that cultures are just different. Mm -hmm. So he just was able to just move in, and it worked out really good. Now you mentioned in your in the opening statement that that you finally understood that you did not want your children to be treated the way you were treated growing up. Now, and I have to applaud that because there's a lot of women that would do everything in their power to keep them under the oppression of the polygamy group. Why were you thinking differently? I mean, what what, what makes the difference in that kind of thinking, do you know? Do you I'm not sure what made the difference. I just remember when my five-year-old was five, I looked at my mom and I was like, I would never leave her home alone to babysit the kids or let her pick up children from a daycare. Yeah. Yeah. And when she got older, I was like, I would never let her get married before 18. She's just not, 
she was my baby. Like I couldn't understand something just was different in me. You just weren't as brainwashed as you yeah, had been something. Before. I know growing up, um, and again, my dad only had two wives. My mother was the second wife, and she, um, she, I saw her suffer. I saw her suffer the loneliness and the burden of raising the kids and the farm and everything was on her shoulders alone. And, and yet all during those young years of my growing up, she lectured me on the beauties of polygamy and how wonderful it was and how I needed to make sure that I surrendered to it and so on. And yet I saw her pain. And I, I'm, I'm thinking there's something missing here that she would want her daughters to go through what she's going through. Right. And, that, and I wonder that with, there's many books been written by women who have left polygamy and have gone through the abuse that we're talking about that you did. And they say the same thing you did. I will not let my daughters go through this and they'll get out and escape. Right. I had a mother ask me when I was going to sell my 16-year-old and I just looked at her like, when someone wants to die, are you serious? <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? You was married at that age. I was married at that age. We're, this is normal. And I was like, oh, I would no, never. No, it's not like, It was just shocking. It's not normal. Uh, when Warren Jeffs first, uh, when his uh, trial first started and found out he was raping and molesting, marrying 12-year-old girls, most of the polygamy groups were guilty, as he was. You know, it just didn't come out like it did with him. Uh, but then, including the Kingston group, they changed it to where they were not going to legally marry anyone until she was 18, but they would betroth her when she was, before she was 18. But then the betrothal gave the full marital rights to, <laughs> to the couple. Did you see any of that in the Kingston, or was that outside of your... I've, they usually ended up having a spiritual wedding. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I saw a 12-year-old who did end up getting married yeah. like not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, they are doing it. They deny it, but they're doing it. Right. Right, exactly. Um, <clears throat> many polygamy groups disallow family members to have any kind of communication with or relationship with someone who's left. I mean, what might you say to someone that would cause them to leave? They don't want them to talk to you. Has that happened to you? Yes. I, when I left, I was my mom's dirty little secret. Like, you know, I could secretly call her or secretly meet with her. Mm. It got worse and worse. And then when she was passing, I wasn't at all allowed, allowed because there. other people would see it. Yeah. But the year she passed in 2014, she ended up coming to see my new baby that year, and she did it secretly. She had to take a car because she was so ill and oh. sneak away and find her way to go meet her grandbaby. Oh, but oh that's sweet that she was able to do that. There was just a lot of hiding, and or if they're in trouble and they're being defiant, then they'll tell on themselves and say, yeah, you guys aren't treating me right. Here's Julie. But they, it's not like I have the same friendships or right. I'm not around any of the people who are in. 
that you know of, have you been able to have any impact on anyone left behind into the group who maybe give them a a chance to think differently than the way they I know that my youngest think? sibling did end up getting to run away to me and they got to leave and I've had some other siblings make their way out mm -hmm. and it's been nice to be able to be there for them yeah. and show them yeah. that it's not quite what they were told. It's not at all what they're told and, and they threaten them of course with hell and damnation and outer darkness and all of this other stuff and, and, and it's just not true yeah um and after i after i left of course i thought i was had chosen to go to hell when i left uh and then later several years later i started reading the bible for myself and discovered that everything they taught me every single thing they taught me about god about jesus about marriage about heaven and hell was false everything they taught me they say the Bible says, and it doesn't say those things at all. And polygamy is never mentioned in the Bible as God's will or God's way of salvation. And that was really a pleasant shock. Right. <laughs> you know. So uh, any, if there's anybody that we can help, of course, please, please let them know. Well, thank you. We're, we're at the end of the program. And there's always a lot to tell, but you're writing a book. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we'll find, be able to, you'll find someone who can publish it. And when you do, we'll certainly be happy to talk about the book on our program, too, and let people know where they can get it. That sounds great. Thank, Thank you, you, Julie. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. It's important that we know these stories of people who leave polygamy, because if you listen to the news or what, what the polygamy groups themselves say, you won't get the truth. You won't get the truth at all. You know, through the years that we have been privileged to interview a lot of people like Julie who have escaped Mormon polygamy groups, both male and female uh, victims. It never ceases to amaze us how similar their stories are regarding the abuse and the indoctrination and the brainwashing. And that includes the polygamous false teaching that began with Joseph Smith that God requires polygamy and those the principle will be damned. But we say again, polygamy is not anyone's savior and it never was. We say to polygamists and to Mormons who justify their church's historical polygamy, Jesus came to save his people from their sins and he did that perfectly on the cross 2,000 years ago. It is Jesus who saves. He's the savior and he no, needs no help from you to save you. Romans 10, 9, 10 teaches us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is Lord. That means Jesus Christ is almighty God and he is mighty to save. So why not renounce Mormonism and polygamy and call upon the name of the Lord right now? Because he is mighty to save you. Polygamy can't do that. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.